Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. So it's Monday the 25th of March as I record this early in the morning. I'm just back from Poland for a family visit. It was really great. As I think most of you know, I live in Prague in the Czech Republic. My wife is from Poland, from Poznan. So we drove up to meet her parents, which is great. It's, it's kind of a nice five-hour drive. We drove up. You can actually drive directly from Prague to Poland, but we normally go via Uh, Berlin, just around the Berlin Ring Road, because it's really good autobahn the whole way. And I kind of like these drives. I get to kind of catch up on podcasts. You know, I listen to five hours of podcasts on the way up. I listen to a great audio book on the way back. So I'm a real kind of, you know, use your car as a university on wheels. If I'm driving somewhere, I love to have this audio stuff going on. So that was great. Got back from Poland yesterday, only in Prague for two days. We're off to Amsterdam on Tuesday. It's great. I'm taking the family. We've got a Google, it's called a PD Partner Summit. PD is professional development. So we're a Google Apps Events. We're a Google PD partner. And it's a great session. It's an all-day session in Amsterdam. There's a bunch of partners from around Europe. I'm going to be giving a talk on how to secure sponsorships. So I just need to do a bit of preparation for that today. It's going to be in the Google office in Amsterdam, which I've never been to. So really looking forward to that. We've got an Airbnb in the Jordan which if anyone's been to Amsterdam, the Jordan's kind of like, it's, it's pretty hipster now, I guess everywhere is, but it's, it's just kind of west, I guess, of the center, really cool place. And the wife and baby can, can wander around while I'm doing my Google stuff, and then we'll have a free day together on, on Thursday. So we've got that going on. In terms of apps events, we've got a really busy start, busy weekend coming up. We've got a London summit at the French School in London, the Winston Lycée International, Winston Churchill, I think it's called, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ben Rouse, the UK director, is going to be running that. Veronica, who was the European director, is going across as well. We've also got a Qatar summit, which is great. We've run five or six events in Qatar now. And in terms of how we organize apps events, we have Middle East and Asia is one area. So James, who runs Middle East and Asia, is Qatar. And then the great news is James, who's actually the James Say, who's the co-host of this podcast, who rarely makes an appearance. He's going to be coming to Prague directly after Qatar. He's going to stay here for three days, which is great. So we're going to record a couple of podcasts together, hang out, work together, strategize. So really looking forward to that. Now, James, as well as working for Apps Events, he's also a partner on Events Frame. And just a, a pretty good segue into Events Frame. Events Frame is the sponsor of this podcast. It's a ticketing system. It's super cheap. Please check it out. It's built by event professionals for event professionals. Apps Events use it for all their 300 plus events a year. We've got multiple companies using it, companies like SAP, MIT in Boston, uh, lots of small event organizers use it. So check it out. The great thing is it's great for people running multiple events. It's got amazing discount codes and it's very cheap. You pay no ticket fees. So if you use Eventbrite, you pay almost 4% of the ticket fees. If you use Ticket Tailor or any of these systems, you pay a high ticket fee. With Events Frame, you just pay a low monthly fee from $20 a month. That's all it is. And you can run as many events as you want. Check it out. And if you're interested, please send me an email, dan at eventsframe.com. D-A-N at events, E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com with the subject line podcast. And I'm going to give you a special secret discount code that is only for listeners of this podcast. So 
On to this week's interview. This interview was a little bit different. I was a guest on the Demio podcast with David Abrams. It's actually called the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. And SaaS means software as a service. And David actually interviewed me, which was really interesting. He wanted to talk about events frame. And a lot of listeners to this podcast are always asking me about events frame, what's a story. And so I wanted to, I got to talk about it, which was amazing. I don't often get to talk about the story behind events frame and all the struggles we had starting an early stage business. So it was great to repost it here. I recommend everyone go and check out David's podcast. It's called the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. You can find it over at demio.com, D-E-M-I-O.com. But it was a really great chat and we talked all about what it's like to start a business in the event space. And we got into a lot of really interesting stuff that I don't normally talk about. I really was completely honest about all our numbers. So if you want to learn the reality of starting an event tech business, this is where you're going to find it. So thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. Just one final ask. If you enjoy this podcast, please just share with one person. If you could just tell one person about the podcast. It's a way we're sort of growing slowly. We know with this podcast, we're not trying to be like a Joe Rogan, like, you know, multi-million listener podcast. We're really niche. We're focused on people that want to use events to help grow their business. But, you know, we want to grow it slowly. So please, if you could tell one person about this, we would really, really appreciate it. So thanks again for listening and on to the interview. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number 57 of the SaaS Breakthrough Show brought to you by Demio. The SaaS Breakthrough Show will be an inside look at what is working in marketing for SaaS companies today by the marketers who are in the trenches experimenting on a daily basis to grow their MRR and build amazing businesses. My name is David Abrams, and I'll be your host today as we bring on Dan Taylor, who is an entrepreneur who has co-founded four startups. After starting his career in management consulting with Deloitte, he founded Dunros Consulting, an IT consulting agency which was sold in a management buyout in 2011. Following from this, he founded a SaaS product called Course Director in the Google for Education ecosystem. This company was acquired by WizKids from Denmark in 2013. Incredible. Following from the sale, he founded and runs two companies, Apps Events, a Google professional development partner that organizes Google education summits and training events worldwide, over 300 annually, which we talk about in this episode, and Events Frame, a ticketing SaaS for event organizers with no ticket fees. It's the big SaaS that we discussed today. Outside of tech, he loves exploring, surfing, snowboarding, and squash. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about the pros and cons of building your own SaaS based on your own pain. We'll talk about what it's like to still be in the early stages of your SaaS and the lessons that they learned from actually doing an AppSumo deal early. What worked, what didn't work. We go into real detail here. We talk about understanding early stage virality, what to think about with your product and how to build it early the integration marketing strategies you need to know and how to plan for those strategic partnerships and what it actually takes to get momentum in the early days of SaaS. This is a really incredible episode. It's a unique 
perspective into the early days of building that software project, especially if you have another company or another business that's already running and then you're creating something based on a pain you found in one of those previous businesses. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating, a comment, questions. We want to hear from you in those ratings and reviews on iTunes does help us get this podcast out to more amazing viewers like yourself. But we have tons to talk about today. Let's go ahead and let's jump on with Dan. This is the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. Uncovering what's working today in SaaS marketing by the actual SaaS marketers who are building companies day in and day out. Let's get started. Hey, Dan, thanks so much for joining me today on the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to have an interesting conversation about early stage SaaS companies and what it's like to actually get traction in. I want to learn more about where you guys are. Before we jump into that traction conversation, why don't you give us a brief background about your company, Events Frame, when you founded it, uh, who the customers are currently, and what you're trying to accomplish here in the marketplace? Sure. Well, we started the company in beginning of, uh, well, end of 2017, start of 2018. And I, I guess I guess to give a company story, I need to go back like a little bit further than that because uh, I'm, I'm founder and CEO of also another company called Apps Events, which is actually an events company. We're, we're a Google for Education partner. Um, so we do a lot of technical training, but also a lot of training for schools on using Google. So I started this company back in uh, 2012. I ended up running, uh, I ran the first ever European Google for Education event, and then I did one in Bangkok. And it kind of, you know, I had a SaaS, I had a different SaaS back then. And this, I never kind of intended to end up running an events company. I just, I, I ran an event to promote, <laughs> to promote the SaaS. It went really well and made some money out of it. And then Google were like, do you want to run another one? I mean, I've grown it, you know. So like last year we ran about 300 of, uh, events. So to come back to our, our SaaS, our SaaS is called Events Frame. I'm terrible at naming companies, by the way. So Apps Events is the events company, <laughs> and Events Frame is is the, the SaaS. But, but the, the reason we started a SaaS back in 2017 was um, I was kind of, you know, like most people who run events, you start off with Eventbrite, which is obviously the biggest player in, in the market. That That's kind of, you know, relatively low cost. You know, you pay about 3% of ticket fees. And then it was getting expensive, and I wasn't that happy with the service. So then we looked around for a bunch of other solutions. So we originally started developing the product because I wanted to build it for, for my own company. Now, I had, I had a big company running 300-plus events. Um, it, it was worthwhile to, to do the investment to build a SaaS. I, I built and sold a SaaS before. So that was kind of the, the, the region, the, the origin of, of starting the business. Got it. Makes sense. And what kind of customers are you bringing in now, um, now that the app is kind of in past the one-year mark? Well, you know, it's a, it's a real, real variation. We, we did an, uh, an AppSumo, for which I'm sure we'll, t- we'll talk about later. Definitely. But most of our customers are people running conferences, like entrepreneurs running maybe one or, or several conferences, people running meetups, People running uh, training training sessions, you know, IT training and other sessions. So it's generally the smaller end of the market, entrepreneurs and, and SMEs, you know, running usually running running several events a year. 
And I guess just give us a little bit of uh, overview of like what the platform does that's unique, I guess, compared to the other players already out there. Sure. Well, it's Events Frame is a, is a ticketing platform. So it's a way to sell tickets online, similar to uh, Eventbrite. Um, what we've done, I mean, we're, we're, I guess there's a, lot of, there's a lot of players in this market. We're very unique in the pricing in that we, we don't have a ticket fee. So typically, like I mentioned, Eventbrite and other companies, they'll charge you anything up to 3 or 4% of the value of, of the ticket typically. And we just have a, a flat low cost. So, you know, you, the only cost, you know, you pay as a monthly fee starting from $20 a month. And the only cost you'll pay is to uh, PayPal, Stripe or Braintree like we integrate with, with all of them. So, so yeah, that's, that, that's kind of now. So you're launching a competitive platform in kind of a heavy hitting industry. Obviously there's Eventbrite and a bunch of other, you know, ticketing systems out there. And it sounds like pricing is the main differentiation. Listen, MarTech is really hard to build into software right now. SaaS is really hard to build into because there are so many competitive softwares. How are you guys specifically trying to find your segment, your product market fit? How are you, how are you really going to um, bring in the right customer base or, or who is that customer base? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, first of all, I, I, this, I really need to improve my pitch skills because there's a couple of other differentiators as well. I, I think another one is we're really good for people running multiple events. Most of these systems, you know, you have a separate dashboard for each event and you can combine this. So I guess we've got two things as well, which is the integrations. We've really focused more than anybody. Obviously, Demio was our first webinar. So integrations in there. So, so yeah. That, but, but in terms of product market fit, you know, I think we very much started off in terms of I knew the customer persona of my company, you know, maybe we focused a bit too much on not being realistic about it, but I knew, I knew one type of company, a company who ran a lot of events a year. I knew all the things they needed because, because it was my company. And I guess we built it originally just to go after similar, similar people. You know, that was, it was basically based on kind of that, that, that use case. Got it. And I think a lot of SaaS companies are built from that, right? You're solving your own pain. Demio itself built the exact same way. We built it off our own pain, but we learned a lot along the way that maybe like our use case and our story wasn't the best yeah. like basis Definitely. to build an entire company for. So we did a lot of conversations in the marketplace and a, and a lot of changes has happened from early product, even pre-release to release to now all things ha- have changed. Yeah. Are you finding that that's true for you? Or are you finding that, you know, building the pain point product, like a, a product for your own pain point has kind of met with market you know needs yeah definitely it's a lot of companies are different you know they see like a lot even basic things like for example we you know we run all these conferences even some big ones with 200 people but but we never check anybody in and we realized pretty quickly that like one example was lots of people wanted qr code check-in so we had to build that for that pretty quick you know and and we realized that i mean because i don't come from an events background, you know, I come from a technical background. I'm running this events company. Like I just kind of like an idiot, just tried to figure, just I'd set up my own way of running events. And whereas there was a load of everyone else was doing it completely differently, you know? So, um, yeah, definitely. We've definitely run up, I think against, uh, against us not being, not being the typical customer, but you know, it, it was close enough to get us initial customers, you know, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right, exactly the right. That's for sure. For sure. So it sounds like there's still education and learning to do right now. Still things that we got to figure out in the market, how to find the right customer base. Now you mentioned before, like your initial customer acquisition strategy was AppSumo. Now I'm not talking about like beta or anything like that, but just like you did an AppSumo deal when you kind of launched everything like that. I think a lot of 
early stage companies, especially newer SaaS companies that are looking to bring in customers fast, quickly, are looking at those AppSumo deals saying, hey, is this going to be a good, you know, is an LTD deal right for us? Is that going to be the right customer acquisition? Let's talk about it. How did it go for your company? You know, it was it was good and bad. There was some disastrous things. There were some good things. I think, look, if I had to do it, if, if the question was, if I could do it over again, would I? I? I would, but I'd do it very differently. So, you know, it's kind of a guarded answer. You know what I mean? I would do it again, but I, but, but I would definitely change a lot of how we did it. Okay, so I guess let's talk about it from that perspective. What strategy did you go in with? And then looking back on it, what were those major lessons or things that you would change in the future? Sure. Well, we had a bit of prior knowledge. One of so I've got two co-founders, and Simon, uh, my technical co-founder, he was actually um, technical co-founder of, of Lead Pages actually back back in the day. But uh, he no did, he didn't yeah he he didn't AppSumo offer before, so he knew a bit about it. But you know he he wasn't really that involved in it, so he, his, his kind of information was 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 really good, but it wasn't kind of a hands-on. You know what what really happened is I mean the way AppSumo works is. Like, like you said, you do a lifetime offer. Uh, you, you keep a third of the money, roughly speaking. So AppSumo keep two thirds, you keep a third. So our offer was really low. It was like $50. So, you know, you, you're not making a huge amount of money. You know, you're making sort of $15, $15 um, uh, an offer. Now, how we did it is, you know, and again, we didn't get much guidance from AppSumo about this. That's one thing I think would really help if, if they did. But, but we... You know, a lot of companies when they do a, when they do an AppSumo offer, what they do is they've got a really well built out product, you know, and they offer they offer a limited subset of functionality for the AppSumo offer, and then they try to upsell to all the other ones. That that's the way I would do it now. You know, I'd build more functionality than we have. I'd launch with AppSumo because because I've bought a few AppSumo offers myself, you know, and most and the good guys are really good at selling within the app by various ways, you know, intercom and different things. We didn't do that. We we basically were we were almost ready with our with our product. Well, it, you know, we were using it. We had a couple of other customers, but we basically launched and then ended up promising a lot of extra features to the Simulings, the AppSumo people, and then that kind of wasted three to four months building building all these functions. I think that was a big mistake we made. Right, and then what happens is you're still struggling to find true product market fit, and yet you spent three to four months going down this roadmap building features and functions exactly. for. For these people that are not really your customers, because some of them are, some of them are great. You know, there's a real mixture between the similar, similar people. Some of them are great entrepreneurs and some of them, they're just like a real pain in the backside. You know, they really like, um, they, ha- they harass you about little things and then, and then you build the feature and they never even use it, you know? So that there's a real mix in the, in the type of people you get on there. I guess then looking at it, would there be any, um, insights or changes to how you would handle kind of a roadmap if someone was also going yeah. through the absolute process? I, I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. I would. Um, yeah. Like for example, I can give you the big one. So the, the, the big, the big thing we did, which I wouldn't do again is we, so what happens is, you know, with AppSumo, I don't know if you've ever bought an AppSumo offer, but you can do what they call stack code. So if, if one deal is $50, you know, lifetime, you can stack 10 and you get extra things. And a lot of people were saying we want an, an agency, plan and they weren't really clear what an agency plan was but what it basically meant was you know they wanted to buy multiple codes so each so each each code allowed you to run unlimited events which again was a big mistake and it was unlimited and they wanted to buy multiple ones and then kind of you know manage manage events for customers uh, and have it all under their dashboard you know what i mean so they wanted to this and then we were kind of getting all these people 
And, and I can talk you through how to, you know, the detail of how we really, you know, because we did a really good AppSumo offer back. I can tell you how to do that. But, but you know, the, we, a lot of the, the, the Sumo links were saying, we want this agency plan. And then AppSumo, you know, AppSumo themselves were saying, can you do this agency plan? And we did it. And it ended up being, you know, most of, when I say the three to four months of development, most of it was to build this agency plan. And we're not really sure, like you said about product market fit. I, we've sold this to a few people, but it's, it hasn't been a big, you know, sale. It, it wasn't the thing we would have spent three to four months working on, you know. Definitely. And that makes a lot of sense. And that's really kind of the the danger zone that you can go into uh, by doing those things. Would you say kind of looking back now, and by the way, I love AppSumo, so nothing, I don't want to... No, no, it's, it's a great that. company. And like I said, I, I would I would do it again. You know, I just would do it differently. Would you say it would be more beneficial to launch it in more of a mature SaaS area than as like your first launch, your early stage launch? because of all the things that are expected out of it? Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I would. I guess the thing is, though, if you've already got some established, you, you probably don't need the AppSumo. It's kind of chicken and egg, you know, for us. It was a great way to get some money, which was great. You know, it basically covered our development costs, which was, which was really cool so far. So, uh, and it got a bunch of customers onto the system, you know. So I, I would do it a bit later. I would have just held on and then, like I said, launch with a limited subset of functionality. And I wouldn't promise anything because... Anything you anything you promise, even if you just say, you know, there's a forum and we one of the tips if you do an AppSumo offer is, you know, they've got an AppSumo forum and you've really got to stay on top of all the questions and the same questions come in time and time again. You've got to answer it again and again. They, they, you know, they don't, they don't, you can't upvote questions so, so they appear. But anything you say to someone, they, they, they're on you. Like, we want this, we want this, we want this, you know? So, you know, I, I wouldn't promise, I, I'd do it, if you did us do an offer, I wouldn't promise any functionality and I'd promise even less than you already have. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, appreciate you kind of sharing some of that knowledge base. So now that you have some customers in, uh, even if, you know, they're not all utilizing the product, you have that that customer generation starting. You also have really been looking into how you add virality, yes. a viral coefficient into not only marketing, but into the product itself, which is always a tough thing to do. Um, you know, it's tough to figure out how to do that. How have you guys been looking at product and I guess product marketing to, to build in virality? Definitely. Well, I mean, it's a big thing in the, the ticketing event software space, because if you think about it, you know, you run it like we've got people on our system run events for three to 4,000 people. I mean, that's, that's three to 4,000 potential customers, you know, you could have. So the virality is a big thing. You've got to balance it because of course you don't want to annoy your clients, you know, by having, by advertising your product. So there's a couple of ways we've done it. The first way is, you know, with, with um, events frame, you know, we have like, we, we kind of have a powered by events frame link at the bottom. So, you know, with, with us, with our system, you can embed the tickets in your own website in, in WordPress or whatever, or you can use, we've got a landing page builder, you know, so you can use our landing page. So first of all, we, we put a powered by events frame. People have the option to remove that. You know, because some people don't want want the events frame logo, but then it still says, you know, at the bottom in, in kind of smaller writing, you know, ticketing provided by events frame. It's actually a legal requirement you know, in, in the country we're incorporated. So, so we have we have our name and a clickable link on on every kind of you know ticket every customer screen. So that's 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 the first way, you know. And then the second way is when a customer buys a, a ticket. When when a customer of our, of our customer buys a ticket. You know, the, uh, the email they get, you know, has also power by events frame or ticketing provided by events frame at the bottom. So, you know, that's really the two ways we've got the virality is, is on, the, on the, the landing page and the ticketing and, and on the emails for the, for the attendees of the events. 
are you utilizing plan segmentation to have a plan type that allows people to remove that? Or do you always want to have that for just that kind of viral coefficient? We have, yeah, we will. I think we will definitely. I mean, you know, the funny thing is our paying customers have never complained about this. It's only the AppSumo customers who have who've complained about it, you know, but yes, you're right. We will have an option uh, based on, on, you know, on a tiered plan to, to remove it for sure. I think that is what we keep talking about is one of the hardest things, especially early stage to figure out. It's that roadmap priority based on customer segment. And that's why I like to start off by asking about product market fit because, yeah, yeah. you know, you have to prioritize the features, the functions, the roadmap, the, the things that matter most to the customers that will utilize the platform the best. So it's really hard to appease everyone. Uh, and especially if you're bringing in, let's say, 3,000 AppSumo customers early stage, but then you also have to balance that with like finding product market fit. That's where the challenge really comes in. So you just have to be careful of that. Um, do you have any metrics with the virality marketing stuff? Do you do you know or, or, or any tips on landing pages that you're sending them to after they're clicking on stuff? No, and we need to. We're actually just launching actually today. Maybe even when this podcast is, is live, we're just we doing the, the, the website and putting it onto WordPress. But um, no, we don't. And that's, and that's, you know, one of the many things <laughs> we, we could be doing, we could be doing much better. I just want to add though, that you know, this, um, if you, again, come back to Eventbrite, you know, don't keep want to mention it, but obviously they're, they're an amazing company and easily the biggest, they just went public in this. I mean, they do it much more extreme with, with Eventbrite, you know, everyone, every, t- you've probably bought a ticket yourself for, Eventbrite, they actually try to get you to become a customer of Eventbrite. You know, they send you a link in the email saying, hey, do you want to sign up for Eventbrite? So they actually really push their the attendees to, to do it. So that's kind of a, we haven't gone to that level, but th- th- that is a level you, you could potentially go to, you know. It's always interesting because we kind of face this too when the marketplace, because there's big players that have been around for a while, the marketplace kind of gets numb or used to a specific strategy or thing. And it's funny that you can kind of like, you can replicate those without pissing people off because they're used to it. Yeah. But if you reduce it, you can still have a little bit of differentiation and add yeah, value. Yeah, that's so kind like, of what we thought. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. You got to try to figure out that that perfect middle ground there and still get the results. So yeah, definitely get in the tracking, get some custom landing pages up, do some testing. Would love to hear that how that goes in the future. Sure. And um, talking about you know these different types of marketing, I guess channels. One of the things you guys are doing early stage right now is starting the integration marketing process, a, uh, a strategy. I love something that we did early on. Um, and we did it basically for our early stage customers, but it's now kind of transforming as we go up market. Um, you know, this, this type of, this type of marketing takes a while. And you mentioned earlier, Demio is now going to be one of your first webinar integrations. It's our first and only Um, webinar integration actually right now. That's awesome. We're excited about it, man. But like, how are you guys or look, how are you actually doing it right now? Or how are you looking to utilize these integrations for marketing? Sure. I mean, how we're actually doing it right now is, uh, so we, we've got, it's mostly email, mar- you know, email marketing systems. We've got Drip, uh, ConvertKit, MailChimp, MailerLite, AWeb, everything, everything like this. Um, so what we're doing is we, we built the integration and then really it's just reaching out, sending, sending these guys an email, um, you know, trying to get them to, trying to get, to feature us on their blog, basically. That, that's 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 the root of thing. You know, we've got AWeber and a couple of others have uh, featured on the blog. Hopefully, hopefully will be hopefully will be on your blog, the Demio blog as well. But that's really it. We haven't, and I'm I'm keen if you've got any more tips how how we can really leverage this more. But that's you know, it, it's for us. It's it's a big you know. No, we actually genuinely have more integrations than it, than anyone, including Eventbrite. So it's a big sales thing, and we need to get more out of it. That's for sure. 
Well, I think it has to be a value-based exchange, right? Like how can not only the integrations be there, but can you lead a training event for uh, Drips subscribers who are running events to showcase either how to utilize the tools together. So it's all value-based. You're on the blog, you have a training, you can send them you know, some type of um, unique coupon code or something like that, all value-based until that becomes like a full-on promotion. But you know, it depends on what your goal is. Are you looking for backlinks? Are you looking for customer generation? Um, you know, for us, we do a lot of things with uh, our integration partners from, you know, running co-marketing events, kind of co-sponsoring things with each other to direct webinars and stuff like that. And, and sometimes these partnerships take months or even years to fully develop. So you have to understand the long-term uh, kind of thing. Yeah, I, 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 we've, we think we've been discussing some of the things you said, doing the webinars, joint promotions. I think... Um, like I said, I think the stage we're at now, and maybe we should maybe we should go into that stage. But we're just ever trying to build relationship. Obviously, you know, it's been amazing. We've spoke a couple of times. We're trying to get a relationship. Obviously, you know, we want to be on the blog, just because hopefully we'll get some traffic and people will see. Okay, I'm already using, for example, Demio. You know, uh, Events Frame is a great way to sell tickets for it for a Demio you know webinar. So you know, hopefully, it, it's going to lead to sales. But right now, we're just trying to, you know, get the initial contact with 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 these companies. And about half, you know, already have. We've got a, we know, we're already having great discussions. About half, we really haven't got anywhere yet. Yeah, it takes time. It really does. And sometimes you have to figure out like where's the value that we can add to them outside of just being on a blog post or something like that. Like, can we do something? That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the joint promotion and things is 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 a really is a is a great. Yeah, one. and I mean another one for us. I mean, transparently is also the podcast. You know, any way that we can give them value exchange is great. So the, this podcast has been wonderful for that as well, opening doors and and kind of doing that as well. Um, but one of the things you just mentioned before was kind of like how you're reaching out to these companies and you're also doing reach out direct campaigns. Uh, would love to know kind of how that's going, what's been successful in your reach out processes, maybe a couple of tips or tactics for you guys early stage that have been good to get your foot in the door with all these companies. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know what? The, the, the best thing for me is exactly what you just said is, is the podcast. We, we've got a podcast as well. I, you know, I host a podcast called The Events Podcast. Uh, and it's it, it's it's been amazing. Honestly, it's one of the best things. It hasn't led to that much money yet, but in terms of the connections I'm getting with people, and it, and it has led to, to, to some sales. You know, I mean, I think I could have used the number of hours I spent on it on direct sales, I would have more customers, but I think long-term this will give a, a, a better, a better return, you know, because, you know, this, this podcast is all about anyone who wants to run events and, and we've got a real mix of listeners, you know, so we've got some complete, um, you know, people who run huge events and trade shows and big conferences and, and music festivals and things. And then we've got most of the people who are kind of entrepreneurs and maybe want to run some events to leverage their community, you know? So this, this has been great because I can speak to pretty much anyone and, and get them on, on the podcast, you know, which has really surprised me. I was, I was surprised how easy it was to do that. And I, I think it only works because my podcast, because it's established. I think you, I think I'm sure you found the same thing in the beginning when you were doing the first few episodes, People are kind of a bit skeptical, but when they see, okay, they've got a lot of reviews on iTunes, they've got, you're doing an episode every week consistently for months. So that, in terms of my reach out, that, that's, that's been is, is the, the kind of the first thing I would say that that's, that's really worked. That's awesome. And I, I would say this is like, if you're going to do a podcast, which you don't have to do a podcast, but if you do that, some lessons that I learned that I'm kind of piggybacking off you is 
be very niche specific on the podcast you're doing. How can you help your target market yeah. and speak about those things? It doesn't have to be an interview series. It can be all educational. It could be five minute snippets. You got to be consistent with it and you got to be ready that it's going to be a long-term thing. Nothing's going to come quickly from it, but over time you'll gain relationships. You will see direct ROI, but honestly, the biggest thing you'll get is for those relationships. You'll get credibility. You'll get branding, all the great things you're looking for but just be willing to commit for a solid amount of time to get through it. Um, like yeah. you said, in the early stages, it's the hardest time. So be ready to uh, try to really get as many emails out there knowing it's a numbers game for us. It was just like that. We, we utilized a lot of connections and friendships and stuff like that to kind of get the ball ball rolling. And then once it kind of started rolling, we utilized the logos and the names of others to establish credibility into the own podcast to keep that snowball rolling. So that was really good. Any other lessons or, or thoughts that you have for reach outs? Yeah. I mean, for me, again, you know, when I've really put time into chasing a, a company, I, you know, I've, I've got some sales skills. I've, I've done it in my various companies and, and jobs and, and stuff. I've never been a salesman, but I've, I've always had to sell, you know, I've, I've generally been around people who were worse than me at selling. So I was the one who had to do it kind of. So, you know, I found just by literally cold emailing people, getting them on a, on a, on a, on a phone call. Um, I, I've got customers that way. It's just, you know, when you've got a low price point, like we have $20 up to $250 a month, and most people are on the $20 or, you know, or $20, $60 a month, you know, it works, but, you know, and it's great in the beginning because it gets, it gets you some customers, but if you, you start thinking about it, is, is it really that scalable? You know, if I did this full time, it would take a long time to really to, to push the needle. That, that's kind of the issue I found with it, I guess. I would say this to you. I would say, Always focus on unscalable activities in the beginning until you're ready to scale, especially if you don't have product market fit yet. No joke. At the beginning, I was doing 12-hour days. About 10 hours of that day was on sales calls, just selling, 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 selling. Yeah. And I just had organic traffic coming in to create demos. And it was just demo, 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 sale, 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 sale. And honestly, they weren't always the best target customers and they weren't our target persona. But... I drove MRR from like zero to 40K in like this unscalable way, you know? And I'm not saying I'm the yeah. only reason that we get to 40K, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, we took that unscalable activity and just said, let's just hit it hard. Let's just keep going. It's great to hear you say that because everybody nowadays wants to set up a, you know, the four hour work week business with an amazing, you know, some Facebook ads that lead to some split testing landing pages. And then it's, you know, they make a fortune. And, and if you actually look behind the scenes at so many companies, it's, it's, in the beginning, it's old school smile and dial, you know, just, just get customers by whatever means possible, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes at the beginning. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's easy to fall in love with the easy strategies, but you'll often see that they don't either produce the best customers, which means higher churn, lower product usage. It doesn't always represent a great long-term strategy. And we're talking early stage. Once you get traction, once you have momentum, you have the right customers, you have the right product market fit then you scale, then you're at the good place for that because now you're getting the yeah. right customers in, you know, your LTV is expanding, you got expansion revenue, all the good things are in place for your SaaS business to be healthy. But early stage, you just got to be in the mud, in the, in the trenches and you got to dig deep. Yeah. So that's what it is. Yeah. What about hard lessons? What about things that you've learned? Like lessons like this, like this is a great lessons, but you know, I love to hear uh, obviously the wins that's what we've talked about, but what about things that, that have kind of failed or, or something that you wished you had, you know, done differently along the journey? 
Sure. Well, obviously, we've talked about the, the pros and cons of, of AppSumo. Um, I, I tried, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn outreach. And, and like, you know, we talked about the, the, the direct approach, and part of that was LinkedIn. I think it wasn't as, as effective as I thought it would be. Um, I even paid um, a company. I mean, the guy was a really cool, great guy. I don't want to say anything bad about the company. They do an approach where they kind of take over your LinkedIn account. Uh, issue connection requests, you, know, you sign up for LinkedIn Sales Navigator, issue connection requests, and then send a message sequence. Uh, so we did this, and, and that didn't really bring many, many leads. You know, maybe it was because I was a bit hands-off and not doing it directly, but that, that was the LinkedIn approach was one that so far didn't, didn't work too well. Makes sense. And I see those LinkedIn requests all the time. And it just becomes instant yeah. deletion now for me. Uh, it's one of yeah. those things that like tactics sometimes just go away you know strategy obviously of lead generation is always going to be there but that tactic may be ending i don't know so people still have good success with it um yeah but i guess you know where you are right now you have you know still a large kind of hill to climb being early stage so much to do what are you guys going to focus on here what is critically important well, yeah, again, I guess this was the other lessons learned is that, you know, it, so there's, there's three of us who are co-founders. I mean, I, I, I came up with the idea and started it, but then I got two other guys involved right at the beginning. One is Simon. He's a developer. Another one is James. He works with me in, in the other events business. I really wish we'd got a sales and marketing co-founder like right in the beginning. And, I, and it's actually one, I'm keen to get your opinion because actually one of the things I'm thinking of now is trying to get someone in, you know, on a... You know, with obviously a basic salary in the beginning of an investing schedule, you know, you know get them kind of co-founder status because we've got a proven product that's profitable. And I think, you know, we're in a good position to do that. But I, I, I kind of wish we'd thought about it more in the beginning. I mean, I, it's tough, you know, because I didn't have somebody handy who I was friends with and I trusted and, and knew well who was, who was a sales and marketing co-founder. But, but I think it would have really helped us. I think my, my small piece of advice, we've talked about this before, would just be that sometimes I think it's hard to bring in a marketer early stage, like super early stage, because you don't have really much of a product to market. Yeah. You can do some early stage branding and videos, kind of cool concepts, but it kind of takes you a little bit of time to just, like we said before, get in the trenches. Here's our product. Here's our customers. Here's who we're for and here's what we solve. And then you bring yeah. in the marketer and you say, okay, now let's generate new leads. Let's generate sales. Let's focus on the pipeline where their sole responsibility is focusing on that stuff. And I think things become so much easier. Now, of course, you can bring in a marketer to help build those things out, but you'll need someone that has you know, the good experience to do that. So I think you guys would be in a great position to do it if you could afford it. You know, if there's any yeah. marketers listening, uh, <laughs> events frame is looking for a marketer and there's a lot of equity involved, it sounds like. So that could be kind of a cool fit. But no, I think now would be the right time for you guys. And I always, you know, love the idea of uh, marketers focusing directly on marketing and it gets off your plate and you can focus on the other major pieces of the company that need to be focused on. Yeah, definitely. I think it just, you know, I mean, and again, I, I started writing a, a, a detailed spec because it's, it's really about the, the, getting the really the, the right person. You know? I mean, I, I want someone who do who do like what you and me have done in our careers. It's like, you know, they're not scared to get on the phone or an email and just, you know, do, do whatever it takes in the beginning because we're still at the stage of whatever it takes to get customers, you know, and that's kind of a person we need. Someone who's, who's you know, can, can grow into doing, working on funnels, but also can, can do the direct sales and things as well. Yeah. And that may be, you know, a specific person that you're really going to have to be detailed, detailed on. I think there's different marketers who fit different parts of the growth journey. Like there's a guy yeah. that takes your company from zero to, you know, hundred K, maybe hundred K to a million. I'm just make, kind of making these up, but like 1 million to 10 million, 10 million to hundred million. Those might be all different people because of 
Definitely. needed points throughout. Um, but just, you know, you need someone that is, is really good at the early stage part. But um, well, looking forward, you know, in 2019, outside of the marketer itself, um, what challenges or opportunities are you most excited for this year? I think, you know, the challenge, so, so Eventbrite went, went public, you know, so, so they're obviously taking, you know, it, they've got well over 50% of, of the market, so they're, they're going to continue to grow. Um, I, I just, you know, honestly, I think it's an opportunity. I think, so there, there was another competitor called Ticket Tailor, you may know, a UK company, and they, they were kind of our one competitor that had fixed pricing, and they've, they've abolished fixed pricing, which, which on the one hand, it, it maybe it should tell us it's not a good idea, but on, on the plus side, it means... It's just us, you know, we're not really competing with anyone specifically who's doing this kind of pricing model. So we're getting a lot of interest because of that. So, so I think, you know, that's an opportunity as well. You know, maybe longer term, it'll tell us there's definitely, you know, there's definitely more money in adding on a percentage of, of ticket fees, which, you know, but, but I think for now, I think, I think this could, could give us a boost. We just recently did a survey based on uh, watching a bunch of Profit Well and, and listening to Patrick Campbell, who we're hopefully going to have on the podcast here soon. Um, watching much of his stuff about value-based pricing, we've really decided to look at how we do pricing and battle some of the industry, I guess, industry outline of how pricing is done for webinars. And we just surveyed a bunch of people. We paid for some paid surveys just to get a better understanding of like what people want to pay for, what they think is expensive, what they don't think is, you know, the right features to have. So we're looking at feature segmentation, but also pricing. That's such an interesting question that you guys are going to have to figure out along the way. First of all, what would your target market pay for? What do they feel is valuable? Um, yep. You know, do they feel like a set price is really that big of a difference if they're having a successful event and they're paying a percentage? Because it may not be people, again, that are like having as many events as you are running and your pain point may be totally different. So I'm interested to hear how it all goes. But sometimes those marketplace kind of shifts uh, help you to figure out like where you can win and where you have to kind of shift things. Sure. That's awesome. But what I want to do now is jump over to our lightning round questions. Five quick questions yep. uh, based on your experience, both in you know events frame and your prior companies. Um, let's go ahead and get started on these five questions. You ready to get going? I'm ready to go. All right, let's do this. What advice would you give for other early stage SaaS companies starting today? You know what? I'd give the advice we just talked about and say, if you can get a sales co sales and marketing co-founder from day one or really have an idea how you're going to sell it, you know, don't try to figure it out as you go along. I love that. I love that. Not just to focus on technology, focus on marketing and traction along the way. Yeah. What skill do you think is vital for marketing teams to improve and build on today? You know, I, I think Facebook, just because everybody's telling me this now, you know, and, and I, it seems like you can't do sales and marketing without Facebook. We haven't even talked about it on this, on this but it, it seems like the one thing that everyone is, is focusing on now. Facebook marketing specifically, like with advertising? Yeah, paid ads and yeah, yeah. yeah Facebook, yeah, paid advertising, but also just marketing on Facebook. Got it. What about a best educational resource you'd recommend for learning about marketing or growth? I um, I really like a podcast this week in startups with Rob Walling and Mike, uh, Mike Tabor. I'm not sure if you know it. Uh, I, I actually run MicroConf Europe with, with Mike and Rob, so I, I know those guys well. And actually, I have to say, uh, not just not just because you're interviewing me, but you have a lot of really cool interviews. I've been going through them this afternoon, so I'd say your podcast I'm going to add to the list of resources. That's awesome. We made your list. That's fantastic. <laughs> what about yeah. a favorite tool you can't live without? You know, really simple, basic one, but G Suite. I don't. I honestly can't understand why anybody isn't using Google. I, I'm not sure if you are or not. Absolutely. But uh, I just find everything, Google Drive, 
Gmail. I even moved from an iPhone to a Pixel uh, phone to have better integration, but I, I think it's just like such a no-brainer for most businesses. Yeah, I used to have a Pixel too. I love Google. I really love their apps and everything like that. I love Apple too, but the Google suite, like you said, I'm so intertwined with it with business and everything. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What about a brand, business, or team that you admire today? I really like the you know the Basecamp guys, formerly Thirty Seven Signals. Okay. Um, I guess when I was you know kind of getting into the entrepreneurial thing and a bit of an entrepreneur fanboy, they they put out great content, a lot of good podcast interviews. I bought their books, um, and and I, you know they were one of the early companies, I guess, along with WordPress, doing the doing the remote team thing, which is what I, I do as well. You know, on on a, on a big scale. So that's what I'd say. I love it. We do it too. We're huge followers of them. Shout out to their newest uh, book. It uh, doesn't have to be crazy at work. That was a fantastic book if you guys yeah. haven't read it. I haven't read it yet as well. Uh, that's, that's next on the list. It's really good. It's really good. But uh, thank you so much for jumping on with me today, Dan. It was a real pleasure to talk to you, to learn about your journey so far with Events Frame. I know you're still early stage, but these kind of conversations, getting the new lens, the new perspective on the different sizes of companies, the struggles, the tactics, the things that work are always so helpful. And, uh, you know, I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Wow, what an amazing episode. Just a big thank you and a big shout out to Dan Taylor and the entire founding team over at Events Frame for allowing us to learn so much about their journey so far. It's always incredible to hear from so many of you SaaS marketers, SaaS founders, where you are in the journey, the struggles that you've had, the lessons that you've learned. It's inspiring. It helps the entire SaaS marketplace, this entire community, especially us who uh, utilize a lot of these tactics and things that we get to listen to every week. And if you enjoyed episodes like this, please don't hesitate to continue these conversations inside of our SaaS Breakthrough community. It's a free Facebook group that we are building totally free. Just come in. We have these guest speakers, people invited to join us there. Just go to demio.com forward slash FB and we'll get you that access. Now, if you also want to get the show notes, the recordings, all the other episodes, head over to our blog. That's learn.demio.com and we'll get you access to every single episode, transcripts, everything you need. And of course, like I mentioned at the beginning, we would absolutely love to hear from you on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a rating, a review, These things really, really, really help us get this podcast out to a bigger audience, more marketers like yourself, and just help us to improve our marketplace. Truly hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll see you in the next episode. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 